This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Seems like it was a pretty good holiday season for the retail industry. Early reports say that sales were up about 5% over last year. And while that is really good news for the sector, the question maybe needs to be asked, can it continue, as well as how much of the growth is attributed to online? In addition, the concerns over certain retailers staying afloat in 2018 is still there. Sears Holdings spent no money, as in zero, on advertising during the holidays for Sears and Kmart. To take a look into the retail sector, we are joined on the phone by Barbara Kahn, professor of marketing here at the Wharton School, and also by Mark Cohen, who's director of retail studies at Columbia University. Barbara, Mark, as always, great to have you with us. Happy New Year to you both. To you as great well. Great to be here. Thank you. Uh, let's start with uh, with that point I mentioned uh, about the, the sales in the holiday numbers, Mark. What's your reaction to the what seemed to be a pretty decent uh, holiday sales season for for retailers? We won't know the real numbers for another five or six weeks, but it does appear that this was a, uh, a wonderful uh, a holiday season on top-line sales. It's quite likely that most, if not uh, all, of the remarkable increase was online. But, again, we'll have to wait and see. Um, so this was a tremendous reversal from the uh, lagging trend for much of 2017 going into the holiday. Barbara? I thought it was interesting that there was a lot of sales right before Christmas. I, I agree with the growth in online sales, but there was also reports that people who waited for the last minute went to the physical stores to get things right away. So we might see an uptick there as well. Well, the benefit, uh, Barbara, seemingly was maybe just the timing of it, was having a, a weekend right before the Christmas holiday, having that Saturday and Sunday for people when they didn't have to worry about work to go out and, and do that potential extra bit of shopping, correct? Yes, I think that really did help, and I, I thought that was, I, I'm a big believer in physical stores, so I always like to see good news about people enjoying the experiential shopping aspects of the physical store and the last minuteness of it. You can get something if you've forgotten to do everything else and you still need to get a gift for Aunt Tilda. You can go to the store and pick it up. So, so then, where do you stand on the retail sector going into 2018? And obviously, we know the component that, that online is and and that digital place, but but where are you? Where, are you, where is your focus going into 2018? Well, I personally think that for sure, you know, the convenience of online shopping is there and we are seeing changes in shopping behavior. But a lot of the better retailers are trying to adapt to this changing world and make their physical stores something that people want to visit. So I think you see a lot of excitement. For example, there's a new Zara's that was just built down in the Miami Mall right here where I am, and that place is hopping with people. They have a really wonderful strategy of 17 inventory turns a, a year, so there's always something new there. And the idea of going into that store and seeing the apparel there, I think that drives people, and they're excited about shopping there. So I think stores that can do something that makes the experiential aspect of shopping exciting will still encourage traffic. Well, Mark, that seems to be one of the common themes right now is that if you can provide the experience uh, in the store, then, then it does give you uh, a little bit of a boost. You know, the, the, uh, the fact, though, is that the, the, the winners in 2017, who no doubt had a great holiday season, whether they were online or brick and mortar, are likely to continue winning in 2018. The brick-and-mortar retailers who have uh, uh, moved
move toward what Barbara's talking about are going to reap uh, the benefits for those investments and those ideas. But unfortunately, the, the folks who were struggling in 2017, who may very well have had a, a good, if not a great holiday, are likely to struggle again in 2018 because the fundamental behavior of the customer isn't going to change. First of all, the online business continues to expand at the expense of brick and mortar, and the level of promotion that uh, continues to step up is truly unsustainable for many of the legacy retailers who are engaging in it. So I, I think it's great to see the holiday pop the way it did. Uh, the calendar certainly worked uh, in retailers' favor, and the weather cooperated. It was good and cold throughout much of the country. There were no uh, period or areas of disruption outside of uh, the lingering effects of the hurricane in Texas and, of course, the terrible fires in Southern California. So much of the country had a great leg up on this on this season, and uh, retailers are the benefactors for it. But it doesn't change the fundamental uh, paradigm shifts that the business has been exhibiting. Well, let me let me ask you this. I mentioned it at the top. Uh, the fact that a company like Sears Holdings, which we have you know talked about on this show in the past, that obviously is is trying to find any way at this point to build itself back up, they didn't spend any money on advertising during the holiday season. As somebody from the outside looking in, I see that, and, and that would be worrisome to me. You've been in this industry for a long time. What do you say? Well, Sears is a dying retailer on its very last legs. And uh, the rationale that uh, Lampert seems to have used in putting all of his eggs in a digital marketing basket uh, is all well and good intellectually, except it, 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 it just didn't work, and it won't work. Uh, and it's not just that they withdrew from from traditional um, um, holiday marketing. It's that they don't have a story to tell. They don't have stores with which to tell the story. And their website is um, more or less third rate relative to everyone who surrounds them. So, you know, Sears is going to linger for as long as it, it uh, makes sense for Lampert to keep it uh, propped up. But... Uh, Frankly, there's no future there. And it will continue to hive off market share uh, to the benefit of others that surround it, like uh, Kohl's and uh, Home Depot and Lowe's. Can, can I step in here for sure. a second? Sure, Barbara. Um, I, I want to agree with some of the things you said and, and disagree with some of the things. First of all, I completely agree that the winners in the holiday season and the winners in 2017 are more likely to be the winners in 2018 and the losers similarly more likely to be the losers. So I completely agree with that. And I agree that retailers that don't have a good story to tell, Sears being a great example, are probably not going to get any better in 2018. But where I do disagree is that I don't think there's a fundamental shift in shopping behavior from offline brick and mortar to online. What I think really are the, are the retailers that are winning are people that understand that it's kind of an omni-channel experience, mm -hmm. that it's not one or the other. 
that people are, and the retailers that get it, like, for example, some of the new brands like the Nobos and Warby Parker, who are using their physical stores to fuel online shopping, that it's that people like to go both ways from one channel to the other. It's not one or the other. It's really this understanding the, the merging of that shopping behavior. It's those retailers that I think that are really going to win in 2018. But do enough of the consumers really understand that in your mind, Barbara? Oh, I definitely think they understand it. They use they use a store, you know, they shop online or yeah. they browse online, they pick up in the store. And a lot of the better retailers like Walmart and even Amazon to that degree is opening the stores and how they're going to leverage it. They understand that people just think of it as one seamless experience. Sometimes I'll be shopping on my phone. Sometimes I'll be shopping online. Sometimes I'll pass by the physical store. All of that is the way people are thinking about shopping. That's what I think is really going to make a difference. And one of the things I think is going to be exciting about 2018 is some of the experiments in virtual reality and augmented reality and how yeah. that might change behavior. Well, that was going to be my next question to both of you is what the impact uh, will be from AI on the retail sector coming up in 2018 and beyond. Barbara, I'll start with you. Well, you say AI, but there's a difference between artificial intelligence, augmented uh, reality, and, and virtual reality. Right. So uh, uh, AI or artificial intelligence, machine learning, and things like that suggest that some of the algorithms in online will better be able to anticipate what your consumer preferences are and will be able to better personalize the experience for you. So that's one issue, right. personalization, customization, recommendation systems that might be in place if people get more and more data and they're more expert at analyzing the data. But the AR and VR world, the augmented reality and virtual reality, there's some really great experiments going on there. And the idea is this. If you think mobile has really changed shopping because people are now looking at their phone and making decisions off of that tiny little screen, imagine what shopping might be like if instead of looking at it on, on your phone, you're looking in virtual reality. So say you want to buy a tent. You can use virtual reality to imagine how that tent might look in a mountain. It's on a mountaintop. Right. You can walk into the tent and see it from the inside or walk around. And so now you're shopping in a context that's much more enriched. Mark? Well, I, I agree with Barbara that Omnichannel is uh, the, 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 the wave of the future, but it's not all or nothing. Uh, uh, some retailers like Costco will continue to primarily be brick and mortar. It's anybody's guess whether Amazon makes a concerted play into brick and mortar by, by buying someone else. Uh, you know, there's rumors about them buying Target. Yep. I'd love to see them buy Costco. But, but at the end of the day, most of the retail business will continue to be brick and mortar for the foreseeable future. But the onset of technology is almost all going into online. Uh, augmented reality, virtual reality is almost all being invested in by online players and will be presented by online players. There are a few progressive uh, legacy retailers like Zara who are uh, taking advantage of this sort of opportunity, but then Zara is, like Costco, an enormous success from a brick-and-mortar point of view without the need for uh, migration into uh, online. I think, I think uh, with regard to Bonobos, uh, I've been watching them closely. They're promoting virtually everything all the time with deep discounts 
uh, right up into the teeth of the holiday peak. Uh, it's anybody's guess how they're going to transition into uh, spring uh, by selling anything at regular price. And, of course, this is a trap that others, for example, Target, I think, have set for themselves by going uh, so heavily into high-low pricing. The customer, whether they bought something in a store or online that was deeply discounted, is going to be hard-pressed to be convinced to pay any more for anything, let alone pay regular price as you move into this new year. 844-WHARTON is the number to give us a call with your comments or questions. We're talking about retail heading into 2018. Also a little bit about uh, the uh, just past holiday shopping season. 844-942-7866 is the number if you would like to join in and ask a question of our guest. Or if you can't get to the phone, you can send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio111, B-I-Z, Radio 111, or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney 21. We are joined by Barbara Kahn of the Wharton School, Mark Cohen of Columbia University. We go to the phones in New York. Miles is on the line. Uh, Miles, actually, we'll get to Miles in just a second. Uh, uh, let me ask you, Barbara, uh, the, the, the fact that we are uh, heading into a, a new year with all of this digital contact that we have right now, uh, we, it is still an industry, though, that is driven by the touch to the consumer to a degree. How much? How will those two elements play going forward? You mean how will the fact that customers still want to touch and feel the product, how does that influence shopping behavior going forward? Is that what your question and, is? And, and the connection with the, with the consumer in the stores as well, yes. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that Mark said that I, again, disagree with a tiny bit is I agree Costco and Zara are amazing retailers, and they are doing really well with the traditional retailing business. And, and their, their, their story is terrific, and there's excitement going into those stores, and, and the numbers are showing that. But it is the, the world where people expect some kind of connection with online. So, for example, Costco is now delivering. You can order online and have things delivered to, to your home, and they have to develop in that direction. Yeah. That's why I do believe that even for the traditional physical store retailers like Costco and Zara, they do have to have an online presence. Um, and if they don't, I think that they will suffer. Zara is starting to do that. Zara's positioned very well to be able to do that, although historically they haven't done it. Costco had been somewhat resistant, but they are now allowing delivery to the home from online shopping. And I think that's a move that they have to do. But I agree that the stores aren't going away, and a lot of the traditional shopping will still be done in the store. And so it is true that people, especially in food and apparel, they want to see the product, they want to touch the product, and that will matter. But again, there's this need for convenience. I don't think it's either or. I think it's just a new world of shopping behavior. All right, let's head to the phones. Miles is in New York. Miles, go ahead. Hey there. Here's my question. In all this conversation, I hear the term story. Sears is telling a bad story. Amazon tells a great story. Costco's story is excellent. Can you please explain to me what you mean by story and how it relates? Because my version of what a story is, I'm not quite getting what you're saying and what that means. Okay. Uh, Barbara, start with you. Well, here's what I think. The story means for me what the brand means, what the experience means, the reason to go into the store. So for Costco, it's 
excitement. It's a treasure hunt. You never know what's going to be there. If you see something exciting, you better buy it right now because it may not be there next week. So there's a reason to go into the store. That's what I mean by story. Zara's story is fast fashion. You don't know what's going to happen there because they're turning. There's always something new. If you want to buy something cool to wear, go to Zara because there may be something that's exciting there. That's what the story is. The story for Amazon is complete customer convenience. You know, they eliminate all pain points. When you go into an Amazon store or shop online, it's easy. You can find what you want really easily. It's one-click shopping. Right. Or if you go into their new stores, you go in without even having to wait online. That's what I mean by story, the reason to buy. What is it that's exciting you about going to that retailer? Mark, you similar? Well, yeah, yeah. I, I would put it uh, in a little bit uh, different light. Uh, most retail is satisfying customers' wants, not needs. And so storytelling, storyboarding, is a fundamental tenet of creating assortments that form uh, an impression in customers' mind's eye that suggests that if they go to a particular retailer, they're going to be successful. Storyboarding also suggests the opportunity to take advantage of new and engaging products, uh, sight unseen until the consumer opens up the website or enters the store. So uh, stores traditionally have focused on setting themselves up physically to tell stories. That's the underlying uh, basis of how physical stores are laid out, how fixtures are, are prepared and signing is created. Uh, it's, it's considered uh, analogous to opening up a book, beginning at the preface, and then moving in chapter by chapter. 844, thanks for the call, Miles. 844-942-7866 is the number. If you would like to join in with your comments or questions, joined by Barbara Kahn of the Wharton School, Mark Cohen of Columbia University. Mark, you, you mentioned, and I had seen the story as well, about the potential that was thrown out there of Amazon buying Target. Not necessarily that part of it, but do you think that, that, that Target is, quote-unquote, a Target in the next couple of years? Well, everybody who's public is a target, uh, yeah, <laughs> depending yeah, on the, true. the stock price and right. depending on how deep the pockets are of uh, those who might uh, think of acquiring them. Target has, uh, has been struggling to get its mojo back, and it seems to have done that in much of what they have to sell except for food, which I think right. continues to be an enormous issue for them and one that they may never be able to truly overcome. They've also, as I mentioned earlier, become alarmingly devoted to high-low pricing, which is something that uh, forms the basis of a trap if it goes too far. And I think they're headed in that uh, direction. I think they're going too far. So though Target's performance is improving uh, and their stock price has shown improvement, uh, if Amazon were to make a true leap into brick and mortar, they would likely go for a, um, an extraordinarily well-known brand with an enormous network of physical stores, as well as a Internet component. And so that says, you know, Target, that says Costco, that probably doesn't say Macy's. Right. And I would argue it doesn't say Kohl's. Barbara? 
Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. Target has done some interesting things lately in opening up their smaller footprint stores around college campuses and in the city, and they're really they're trying to get their merchandising right in those different stores, and they seem to have been pretty successful. So I think that idea of getting smaller stores near campuses, near cities, would be attractive to Amazon. I agree. I can't imagine Amazon purchasing Macy's. I don't know about Kohl's. I think that their relationship with Kohl's as pickup centers is interesting. I'm curious to see what Mark thinks about that play. Mark? Well, I think that Kohl's has opened up the tent and uh, enabled a Trojan horse to be wheeled in, frankly. Um, uh, this is an experiment which is likely to be tremendously beneficial to Amazon in that it'll give them uh, enormous insight into the interplay between their customer and a physical space uh, well above and beyond what they would uh, be able to encounter at a Whole Foods. But I don't see them, uh, I mean, uh, who knows, but I really don't see them seeing value in acquiring Kohl's as a platform. Kohl's is too limited in the products they carry, and Kohl's also is completely trapped in this high-low uh, web yeah. that they've been uh, operating in basically for the last 30 years. Great having you both with us. Barbara, thank you as, uh, as much as well. And Mark, thank you. I greatly appreciate your time today. Thank you. It's always fun. Thank you both. Uh, Barbara Kahn from the Wharton School, Mark Cohen from Columbia University. By the way, uh, just as we were doing that interview, found a, a story online, uh, data from Cushman and Wakefield, which was looking specifically at the retail sector in 2018, said that they expect to see more than 12,000 locations closed this year, retail locations, which would mark about a 33% increase from 2017. They also estimate that about 25 major retailers could file for bankruptcy this year as well. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 